0: and welcome to another episode of the 1099 i am your host joseph noob as always and i hope you guys are doing well i am super super honored to have matt nava a creative director on the pathless at giant squid matt how you doing did i get your last
1: name right i should have asked (laughs) you got it right yes yes Uh, great i'm doing well thank you glad to be here
0: yes and uh congratulations on the launch of the pathless which is uh out now on i played it on ps4 but i'm replaying it on ps5 and it's also on the epic game store i believe
1: yes and apple arcade
0: and apple arcade that's right uh i, I definitely wanted to talk a little bit about that because that was that that fascinates me that it, it works uh on those two very yeah, different kinds of <laughs> platforms yeah <laughs> Well, man, I, I am super honored to have you here. Um, it, it it is a pleasant sort of roundabout feeling, uh, in my career to be speaking to you because, uh, I, so long story short, I went to uh, a community college back in like, uh, 2011 and 2012 and journey, I think released around that time. That sounds about right. Yeah. And, um, the end the the final project for like my my art credit class was hey you got to make a painting and so i made a very small painting of the opening scene from journey with the the traveler and their long you know flowing cloak and scarf and the mountain with the shining light oh, in the distance cool. very cool and uh so yeah so that was like even then that was kind of a. Uh, really stood out to me, uh, but the Pathless is a, a, such a great game. Um, I I gushed about it endlessly on Twitter, and uh, it, it is easily going to make the top of my you know games of twenty twenty list for sure. Uh, I I want to start off our conversation uh, with I I have a soft spot in my heart for um, game dev students and. Uh, people who come from that world and then transition into you know the the career path uh, and journey uh, the the like origin point of that seems to be that uh, you guys that from that game company were uh, all students at uh, USC right?
1: Well, yes, uh, the founders of that company were. I was actually one of the odd ones out. I came from an uh, art school called uh, Otis College of Art and Design uh, here in LA. And um, but I uh, I was fortunate to, enough to meet uh, Genova Chen, the creative director at, at the time at that game company. Um, at my uh, senior show, they do a, a show of all the senior work at Otis, um, mm-hmm. and he the industry comes and in tours, and he saw my work, and uh, there 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 it went. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, Well, yeah. What what? Tell me a little bit about um, what came before like meeting Genova and, and uh, joining that team and helping create Journey, because uh, obviously a, a like really striking art style doesn't come from uh, nowhere. Uh, I would be, I would be very curious to know like what kinds of art really influenced you and like what pushed you to want to go to uh, art school.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, my father is actually a a figurative realist painter. Uh, His name is John Nava. And he's a, a super talent. I mean, he's incredible in the uh, fine art world. Um, and I grew up uh, just hanging out in his studio where he was making art all the time. And he was a rare case where a traditional artist was able to make a living. <laughs> and <laughs> so I had this rare example. You know, my, o- my only example of an artist in my life was one that was actually making it happen. So I thought, hey, this is normal, you know? Um, it wasn't weird to me um, to for that to kind of be a career path. And I was always drawing and always um, making art my whole life. Uh, so it was kind of a no-brainer. Um, and I went to art school for college, um, and I didn't really know that I wanted to do video games. I enjoyed playing them, but I Mm -hmm. always thought that I was going to do visual effects or 3D animation for movies or something like that. I just knew that I wanted to create images that had meaning, that uh, that were important to people. And um, after a few uh, short gigs, after um, I graduated doing advertisement uh, animation for TV, I realized very quickly that that wasn't a space where I could do that. I needed something that had more meaning to it. And, um, I met Jenova Chen at my senior show, like I mentioned, um, and had the, uh, fortunate, uh, that fortunate encounter that led to a job there. And I realized that indie games, the small game company space was a place where real artists could have a voice that could be heard. And they were making it, uh, images with meaning uh, and that um kind of sold me on that whole career path <laughs> actually uh, but that's kind of how um how I ended up there uh in the in the gaming world so that's awesome i, I and it, it is
0: it is such a unique uh meaningful thing to have like yeah a, a parental or just any adult figure who Uh, a artist who has also figured out how to make it a a viable livable business is a is a really special thing Um, and being able to learn from someone like that is uh, equally special yeah the so yeah you you mentioned like your father was kind of the the shaping uh, really really opened your eyes to that world of course Um, were you a were you a huge like princess mononoke fan or like some other sort of specific like genre or medium uh that really spoke to you
1: oh yeah you know i love i love uh princess mononoke of course so you can see his influence in the pathless um i remember when i was a kid it, it came out and um we drove down to la we actually i grew up in a, a small town uh, a couple hours north of la um and uh we my parents took us down to LA to see this special screening of the movie <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it had a huge effect on my life, obviously. Uh, but, um, but I was very fortunate. When we were able to um, travel a lot when I was a kid. Um, and um, I went to all over the world looking at, uh, we always went to museums. My, my uh, parents wanted to uh, show us art from all over the, the planet and uh, we saw, you know, incredible artwork in, uh, Florence and London and uh, and Mexico and uh, we also toured a lot of uh, ruins and and kind of ancient sites. Oh geez, and, you know, we climbed the pyramids in Mexico and chucked out you know Glastonbury Cathedral is, uh, in uh, England and and all kinds of things like that. Um, and I even had the chance to uh, spend a month in India when I was in high school, uh, uh, living with. Uh, um uh, uh, kind of boarding students at a sister school that I went to uh, here in uh, California. but um what an experience and um, you know just uh, all of that exposure at a young age, I think to different cultures, the art of different cultures, and especially these kind of ancient sites, uh, you know, just really was inspiring to me. I love ancient art, you know, I think the older the art is, uh, the more, interesting it is in many ways and uh, mm-hmm. and i think that um there's this joke that you know no one ever beat the uh the cave the caveman <laughs> <at Yeah>. pain, <laughs> painting it, it was all downhill from there uh and so that was something that you know in all of the games i've worked on i've tried to bring that sense of ancient um kind of mythology and art to the design uh because i think it has a kind of universal resonance um that that captures my uh, imagination uh, at least
0: yeah and i think one of the one of the things that stands out to me most about um the games that you've worked on is uh, there's also a, a deep sense of uh uh ancient ruins of course um they, they, they once upon a time they weren't ruins uh they were you know functioning places and facilities and and cultural meeting places uh and there's a weird, like, there's an art to the art of creating, uh, well, here's what this building would look like after hundreds and hundreds of years of erosion and wear and tear, uh, or maybe a, a climactic event happened, you know. Um, how do you, like, you know, how do you tell the story that way? Like, what, what it, it, do you think I'm on the right track there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's the way we talk about it, Is giving the space an identity, Um, giving it a history, and um, you know it's 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 very easy uh, to create architecture in a video game that is functional, right? Like, okay, it has to be this tall. There has to be a step here uh, so you can jump up, Mm -hmm. a switch for you to open the door, and all this kind of thing. And on a certain level, that's extremely important. If you can take it further, if you can give the space an identity. And say what was this place before? What happened here? And you can show that in the design of the space itself, uh, in the things that you find there. Then that space becomes even more interesting, and um, it's something that in the pathless we we try to take even further than we ever have been able to, at least I have ever been able to in other games. Um, and there's just so much more architecture in this game. It was. Uh, it was a a big challenge, but also a lot of fun to invent those specific identities for the spaces. Uh, And I think that it played a large part in creating uh, a sense of place. Um, uh, That's that, like you said, that sense that something happened here before. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, that was a lot of fun for sure.
0: Yeah, no, I, um, and it's interesting to talk about the, the sense of like space and trying to, the, the pathless is divided into these uh, like four or five primary uh, regions that you, um, you, the hunter uh, voiced by the wonderful Laura Bailey uh, is trying to, you know, uh, uh, uncorrupt these ancient gods that uh, still roam the lands that have been corrupted by the God Slayer voiced by Troy Baker. That one, that one surprised me. (laughs) Uh, I, it, it is funny to think about the identity of, especially those first three uh, places um, because they, they, they tend to follow a um, uh, like, you know, here, here's nature and here's how this ancient, ancient society sort of uh, blended and melded with nature. And uh, you know, it's funny, like I'm, I'm actually, I'm replaying the original Assassin's Creed uh, for a, feature we call it uh, reinstall at pcgamer.com that i freelance for and it's just you know let play play a game that's 10 or more years old and like kind of uh look back at it a bit Interesting. and i'm i'm going through you know the ancient cities of damascus jerusalem and Acre, uh and Acura is like the only one that really stands out to me because it is very like traditionally European stonework. And there's a port and there's a like large cathedral. And I'm looking at like, you know, I climb up a million towers in the game and I notice it like, wow, all the buildings look so square. Nothing feels like it's actually been like touched by humans. And like, you know, it's 2007. It's a very different uh, right. era <laughs> right. and of course like i'm sure they worked their asses off in that game they should obviously be proud of it but it's it's funny to think about how all three of those very different cities uh feel similar because of the restrictions and the like gameplay considerations they had to have of like well we haven't 100 figured out the climbing tech so this building should probably have a flat wall instead of like a curved thing right. or or something and uh it it it, you guys have ruined assassin's creed games for me because (laughs) my my partner uh is uh a big ac fan uh playing valhalla uh every other day or so and every time they climb a mountain i'm just like well okay jump off and you know fly down now and i was like oh wait you can't do that you have to (laughs) climb back down shoot oh dear uh yeah the
1: uh movement um the pathless is you know very very freeing (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) i uh i it will be hard to go back to anything else now but the um you know movement through a space too is uh a very important thing to discuss and i think that like even before journey um you know you had flower uh which i i remember discovering you know on my on my ps3 at some point and uh really falling in love with the way that you know you're you're uh, careening through these spaces and not so much like crashing but like dispersing the flowers and um yeah. and the way the wind interacted with everything you were art director on that as well right
1: that is correct uh that was the yeah. first game project that i ever worked on
0: Tell me what what was that experience like? What were like the amateur mistakes or the like amateur? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) well, both the mistakes and maybe the like. Oh man! Like okay, after two or three years like of work, I really nailed that. You know.
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, when I saw Flower, I came onto that project um, halfway through its development, and they had an early build, and um, you know, even at that point they had a a version of that movement that you're talking about and I could tell that this was, you know, different than other games I had played and it focused on different things that that were interesting. And um, I think, you know, uh, it was a a big learning curve for me coming on that team in this kind of art director position straight out the gate, uh, just figuring out how to work with people and what it takes to make a video game, but um, in terms of design, you know, uh, I was able to uh, construct the levels for that game, and um, you know how that movement influences the space itself, how you design the space, mm-hmm. um, making sure that the affordances of the player control uh, makes sense <laughs> in those spaces uh, was all something that we learned. And, you know, some things that we, looking back on that game, uh, I've learned since is that uh, one thing that comes with <laughs> movement um, is uh, nausea. <laughs> <So> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people uh, find that game very nauseating. And, and there were there's things that we just didn't know, you know, um, making that game. Like uh, if you slow down, it, most people never slow down when they play flower. They just keep going fast. But if you slow down the FOV changes drastically and um, that FOV change can be nauseating to people. And, and so it's, there's things that you could have done, you know, if we had known that thing, known those things, uh, but you know, it is what it is. And in our, in our games, since uh, we've tuned those things differently, we've put in options and uh, taken into account things like that. <laughs> That's probably the biggest lesson from flowers, just how important it is to, um, make the game more accessible uh, to a wider variety of people. And then that's uh, obviously like a, a growing uh,
0: concern in the industry these days is uh, how to make it, uh, how, how to make games that, you know, move in interesting or different ways uh, more accessible. We just, my, my partner and I uh, got a fight stick for our neighbor who has a uh, like muscular disorder, so can't use her right know. hand or, R- brachial plexus plexus. plexus. Oh, wow. Uh so can't use her right arm uh at full ca- at the capacity that you limited and I mobility yeah, and yeah, limited arm mobility. And wrist and yeah. Um uh but it, seeing like a game like uh you know Pokemon or we got her Captain Subasa uh, uh trying to focus on games that like treats the viewpoint of the player uh, mm-hmm. in a neutral enough way that it makes sense for her. But that that, that it's almost like the um the problem with vr too of course is like uh it's it's actually walking simulators in vr that make me like sweat my brain off uh, (laughs) that's a really tough one yeah my my brain says hey the liquid in your ear should be moving and uh nope it's just it's you know so you're gonna get a giant migraine um tell me so then we moving from flower to journey um obviously like plenty has been said about journey over the years, uh, uh, Giants award-winning, uh, title. Um, when you reflect back on that time, what do you think was like the most important lesson that you learned, um, helping to shape that really like for the time, like very different kind of, uh, game experience?
1: Yeah. You know, journey was a, a special time. Uh, it was a, uh, a team that was very gifted, um, and uh, and we had a very uh, cool vision to create something that uh, you know was obvious in retrospect, but no one had really done it, which was to create a multiplayer game where you aren't shooting each other, <laughs> and and um, and and somehow this tiny team was able to pull it off and what i remember was that we we didn't it took a long time to figure out the specifics of that vision we knew what we wanted on a high level and we um didn't know how the moment to moment should be shaped and eventually uh, i just went home one time and started making levels and i brought it in and fully completed and I just (laughs) said here it is play this level what do you think and we relied on play tests we had tons of people come and try it and that was kind of the measuring stick for us if this was going to work and those levels that I made helped kind of figure out the specifics and um, and you know I had the fortune to be able to work on so many elements of that game designing the narrative Creating the character design, animation, uh, you know, level design, texturing, concept art, all this stuff, and um, and the most important part I think was helping figure out the message and how that message would be conveyed. And what we found was we thought you know this is we're a small team, this is a weird game that's totally non-standard. We thought you know it's an experiment. We always kept telling our, mm-hmm. our, ourselves this. If it's a huge failure, it was an experiment. And, you know, um, <laughs> that's, that explains it. And to our surprise, the message resonated. And the power of having a message that is meaningful to people, that, uh, that uh, shines through, that's what stru- uh, struck me. That you can be a small team and you can create something powerful and meaningful. And, um, you know, uh, we immediately got this response from players that was incredible. I mean, they were sending us messages about how this game transformed their lives. They, uh, we had people with PTSD from coming back from, uh, you know, war zones telling us that this game helped them through it because it gave them a way to connect with the people they had lost uh, through the other player uh, in journey and Mm -hmm. and people were making a connection with their lost loved ones. I mean, it was moving stuff and um, underscored the power of this medium to do something uh, that could positively change people's lives. So (laughs) that, that was a big takeaway and really a big surprise uh, and something that, you know, in all the games I've worked on since, have uh, strived for it, to just create something that connects with people deeply, uh, and uh, and so yeah, it was a, an incredible uh, time for sure. When you
0: um when you say message, do you mean like a, a literal like uh, uh like a hey here is the the Aesop fable moral of the story, or do you mean more of a kind of ex- like experiential? Um, hey, you, you can't really put into words what you felt, but you definitely felt a lot of feelings while like experiencing this world.
1: Yeah, you know, that's a great question and uh, good to clarify because basically what, I, what I'm talking about there is both of those things, right? Like the one thing that we did there and that I've done since is we try to create the game's moral or message. Um, it's the high level concept of the game thesis we want that to show through but we don't want to be preachy about it you don't want to beat someone over the head you know here's the here's the lesson you better take mm-hmm. it away <laughs> you know it's like no <laughs> what we want to do is to make it so that the more you put into it the more you'll get out of it and so especially with uh, you know the pathless um, on the surface level it's this story about light versus dark mm-hmm. right you've got the shadow and the and the sunlight, the bad guys and the, the good guys. And if you look deeper at it, there's more to it. And it's a story about finding your way and um and and, and dogma and, and breaking out of that and all this kind of stuff. And and so um, you know, even with Journey it, 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 it had that as well. Um and I think that what was really interesting about letting it be open ended to a certain extent was that let players mold that message to their own experience. It it, it personalized it in mm-hmm. a way, and so a player would see their own reflection in it, and uh, and that made it more special. And so, uh, on Journey, and also on the Pathless, you know, we have our own concept of what the message is, what the moral is, what the deep story is. And what we hear back from fans is sometimes exactly that and sometimes a, a twist on it that uh, that we weren't fully expecting, but is equally valid. And, and, and that is um, something that I think is really amazing about video games in particular because of the way that you interact with them but because of the way that they immerse you so deeply uh, through that interaction. If you personalize that experience by letting the player um interpret it to a certain degree their own way it makes that uh connection more powerful and i think that um you know that's a that's a special attribute of a video game itself
0: yeah and i i think like it's easy to pigeonhole um the pathless as like well okay it's it's a lot of aspects of journey or abzu um by but like open world you know because there's no uh, direct path anywhere and uh and it's it's easy to write to that like you know uh magazine preview in in a hundred words or less you know but uh th- that is the the interesting thing of like i <laughs> i uh y- you can have a significantly different experience or at least like discover things in a different order than you intended one like i i won't spoil it because it is a really cool moment and i'd hate for any folks listening to the podcast to not really get it but there is a moment where um uh i'll just say you you climb to a really great height uh and you kind of can discover this very like optional uh, uh kind of side area um that just like sheds a little bit of uh more light on um uh how how this region really came to fall and uh in my brain in my brain my my gamer brain was saying like oh my god am i wait am i am i climbing the like end game mountain you know because the mountain is always like the end game in so many uh, experiences right. Right. uh it's always there's always a mound there's always a lighthouse uh <laughs> right. and um uh but getting up there by kind of completely accidentally like just following following a little bread trail of either the the emblems in the air or maybe some other like story elements or or nate uh environmental art um i was treated to this really like one of those very powerful only in a game moments of like oh okay i am standing in the middle of history right now or or like (laughs) i'm standing in the remnants of history very cool right now um yeah yeah, i I, I guess do you have any thoughts about that Yeah.
1: yeah absolutely you know one of the cool things about the pathless is exactly that you can do it in a lot of orders um and this is something that after we made abzu we had the discussion you know okay Uh, What do we want to do differently this time? What do we want to try? And the the idea of an open world was really appealing because of that exactly. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. let's take advantage of this unique thing that happens in video games where you can do a little bit of sequence breaking. You can go a little bit outside the boundaries of the uh, the beaten path, right? The critical path through the experience. And it's magical. And um, so, you know, we created these systems... uh, you beat the bosses, and it lets you progress to the higher area. But we also have this other system, which is you can find secrets that upgrades the eagle to flap higher as well, and you can use that to go forward. And you don't have to beat the bosses necessarily in order to access these areas. So there's multiple ways to progress. And because of that, you can do the, the game in a, in, a, in a bunch of different ways. And you can actually find these places that, look out of bounds at first like oh the top of that mountain that must be you know just a vista but you can actually go up there and you can find something interesting and and you know and and some of the most uh, cool experiences for people is when they when they feel like oh i've broken the rules a little bit but actually uh you know they've found their own way and 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 it's perfectly valid and and <laughs> the game uh you know is is kind of uh, uh, designed to make that work, and and so uh, those those kind of moments align with the message and no, kind of uh, <laughs> narrative as well, which is uh, a, a cool a cool way that this game game came together for sure.
0: And you know, I I think I I was going to save this question for later, but I think now is a, a pretty good time to ask. We um we we touched a little bit on. Uh, that that story element of uh, having a path in life or um, uh, so as the story goes the God Slayer uh, early to middle of the story he kind of illustrates it like he's, he's fearful that like his people won't know how to go on without a clear path provided for them that sort of dogmatic like this is the way very Mandalorian I suppose and uh, it is and then of course the the rebuke of that is um well i the hunter the hunter is finding her own path through this world and finding success and and fulfillment through that way i suppose like you know it, every story comes from an element of personal experiences i know that like even even to this day i still feel very um you know like not so much aimless but like oh am i on the right path with my life and career and uh, you know, all, all those very human worries. I I can only imagine in a career such as yours that you've had a plenty of times to reflect on, like, you know, am I on the right path? Like, am I doing the right thing? When you when you think about moments like that, like, what sticks out to you?
1: Yeah, you know, it's a really interesting question, and it's something that um, was important for the reason why I wanted to make this game, you know. Um, I uh, have been fortunate because I've been very driven my whole life. I have always known, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to make these meaningful images. Right. (laughs) And so, um, so I have, there's only one thing I can do well, (laughs) and that's make video games.
0: Same with games media. It's like, this is the only thing I know how to do is like celebrate, celebrate games in some hopefully meaningful way. Yeah.
1: So, you know, I've been lucky in that, um, my my path has kind of been clear just because the other ones have been impossible <laughs> but yeah. but um but the uh you know i like i mentioned i went to india uh in this um when i was in high school and and the way that that came about was i actually went to this very strange i didn't know it at the time <laughs> but um very strange high school um uh, that was founded by a philosopher uh named Krishna Krishnamurti and he was this Indian philosopher and he um, started these schools that were very small um, and they uh, didn't have grades and they didn't have uh, you know large student populations and and uh, his message was um, he had this famous quote which was uh, the truth is a pathless land and the meaning of that you know kind of, uh, uh, it, you know, is interpretable, but but it's kind of, the idea is that you're not going to find your way mm-hmm. if you are just following someone else's uh, instructions. You have to, you're only going to find the truth uh, on your own path. And and this concept, you know, um, is something that I've, I've seen many people struggle with, you know, it's just like, like you say, like you kind of always have this lingering question, am I doing the right thing? And you know, it, uh, and uh, I think that people often fall into uh, uh, trouble if they um, if they rely too heavily on the instructions of others and don't trust themselves with kind of finding their own way. And this is something that you know, in in the pathless, uh, it manifests. You know, we have no map. There's no mm-hmm. guide. There's no uh, mission log. It's Like, okay, here's the dot. This is where you go next. You know, it's nothing telling you where to go except the world itself and you have to put on the mask and see uh, you see a whole wide array of options and you choose one and no matter which way you go you're gonna find something interesting right like that's the kind of <laughs> you're gonna find your way no matter which way you go um, and and that's that was something that um, just through the design of the the game itself um, uh, it kind of influenced the the uh, the experience you had, but um, but getting back to your question, you know the uh, the the thesis of this game largely came from this bizarre um, high school experience I had um, that I realized afterward had given me this kind of perspective that you know it's okay to fail, it's okay to um, not know answer to trust in yourself that your path is going to be the right one mm-hmm. and uh and i realized when i went to college that you know all these kids didn't have that they had so much more fear um, of getting lost and um and so <laughs> you know that was something that remained in my mind and, and something that um manifested the characters of the pathless and the gameplay itself it's, it's
0: so easy to defi- definitely feel like, especially when you're in a, a school that uh, that encourages artistic exploration or personal exploration, it's easy to feel like, still feel that um, kind of envy or jealousy or just like feeling of like, I am lesser than this other uh, uh, more well successful person um, when you're being encouraged to maximize your artistic talents, Right. Uh, and it's so easy and so human to, you know, when, when you get really close to the job you wanted or you, uh, get really close, but no cigar on, on some sort of aspect of your life you had been working towards, uh, it's easy to like howl to the sky and be like, just, just give me the right answer. Give <laughs> right. Me the right You're answer. You're looking like, for guidance, what... right? Yeah. And, exactly. and, and it's a very gamey thing too of, um, uh, well, okay, what input do I have to do? to make this thing happen. And I, I think that even even though there, there are times that, like, yes, yeah, sure, some players will be a little frustrated by no map, it is still a very gamey experience to say, well, we're not, we're not going to, like, spell this out for you. You're going to want to go to one area, and then maybe something pops up along the way that complicates or just momentarily stops you. Uh, like, oh, you like you found a, a giant skeleton or you found a different ruin or you found a note that someone left. And it's it's very illustrative of how life is like as, as corny as it can kind of sound that, you know, you have a end goal and you say like, OK, I'm definitely going to get over to that giant red glowing thing. Right. But along the way, a bunch of stuff happens.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that was kind of one of the key things in the design of the Pathless was, you know, we wanted it to be um, fun to just go. And when things pop up, you get distracted and you might lose sight of the larger goal that you were going for. But it's still a, 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 a worthwhile time and actually might even be more fun. And then you, um, so you have this kind of cycle in the game of getting up high, finding a, a long-term goal, seeing something in the distance that you want to go to. Then you fly to it, but you might fall down, you might see something along the way, you might uh, get distracted and, and drop down and, and get into trees and get a little lost, but uh, discover a ruin that wasn't unexpected and discover secrets you weren't uh, expecting. And then, um, you know, Repeat and kind of be like, okay, but where was I trying to go again? Okay, yeah. <laughs> get up high again, <laughs> and and um, so your path through the space kind of winds, and and that cycle um, keeps happening over and over. And I think that um, you know, the, when you have those kind of strong cycles in a game, that's what makes it fun. So
0: yeah, you know, I I I had been telling myself recently that like, oh, I'm 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 not the kind of, like, I'm, I'm very burnt out on open-world games. Um, I, I dabbled a little bit in AC Valhalla recently, and my, my partner has taken much more to that, um, uh, doing some work involving, you know, Genshin Impact and appreciating what that brings to the table. But it's it's hard to get, and, like, even playing, a, like, Watch Dogs Legion, another, you know, Ubisoft giant property. Right. But, uh and even though it's 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 weird how like how gorgeously rendered all of those environments can be, but it's still very easy to um to feel like well okay I, I I don't remember that hill you know whereas in the pathless like even some of the more subdued areas you know a a slightly denser forest or a a like cropping of ice uh poking out of the earth kind of thing um it, it it sticks out in my mind much more because it's relying on um the shape of the environment and uh the the way i myself am moving through that environment in a somewhat unusual way um to really uh punctuate all of those uh the the quiet and the the loud moments for sure yeah Tell me, tell me a little bit about speaking of you know the the louder, heavier moments. Um, one of the most fascinating parts of the game is each of these uh, boss encounters with these corrupted god spirits, uh, which is really where like the like Mononoke opening scene with the corrupted pig kind of vibe comes in. <laughs> right. uh, you're you're chasing after a, a beast, and um, uh, tell me a little bit about like. W- how you artistically like approached those segments, because they're obviously shorter than the, uh, other side of the game, but they are, uh, still very striking in a way. And it, it, it culminates in a way that like, again, only games can do of like, I'm taking a deep breath after this really harrowing experience. And I'm going back to this more peaceful meditative state. Uh, tell me how you approach that.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, we, it's in a weird way, it inherits from uh, Journey and Abzu uh, in that um, it creates a curve, an arc uh, to the emotional experience of the game. Um, and those, uh, you know, Abzu and Journey, the first thing I did was draw an arc, you know, uh, like, okay, at the start of the game, you're going to feel. Kind of neutral, and then you're going to feel a little bit cooler, a little bit better. You're going to get better at the game, and then boom, we're going to knock you down. Yeah, you're going to meet some bad guys. You know, it's going to get real rough, uh, and you're going to have to work for the elation at the end. And and that arc uh, that goes up and down like a roller coaster, uh, you know, makes the game interesting. And it was like, okay, well, how do you have an arc in a game? This kind of Linear progression of emotions, if it's open world, and mm-hmm. um, and that was that's something that, uh, like you say, you know, um, open world games, uh, they've they've been around a while. They've done a lot of interesting things, and now to me, uh, it's time for to turn it on its head. You know, um, and this is one of those things that um, we tried to do is like, okay, well, how do you make that arc resonate? And the uh, the the answer was uh, these kind of more climactic epic moments where you encounter these beasts. And, um, like you say, it's, it's the other side of the coin. You have this tranquil exploration. However, they're always kind of lurking in the background right there. You have to, they're not just, you know, this thing that surprises you. We wanted them to, uh, live in your mind as you play. Um, so so many bosses in video games are like, Oh, I've never seen you before. You're the final boss. I guess you're Lavos or something. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And it's like, we wanted these characters to be deeper than that. We wanted them to be something that you're reading about in the lore and something that is in the space. Um, But then at the end, you have this interaction that really heightens the mood, feels like there's stakes and, um, gives this kind of exciting ending to the exploration loop uh, of the plateau um, so you know and it was a big um, challenge to develop those uh, you know we had never done boss fights really before um, but uh, it was a it was a, a big undertaking to, to both develop those and the rest of the game at the same time but it was worth it because they really bring life to the space in in an interesting way. Um, And, uh, and, and we were also very, uh, uh, you know, uh, it was very important to us to make sure that these encounters weren't like a normal boss fight. There's no game over. Uh, There's no way where you're taken out of the experience by having your timeline reset, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. don't rewind. Uh, it was it was every single design decision in this game really was to make sure that we never take you out of the space no map to flip out into no game over that takes you out you're always immersed you're always in it um so yeah
0: it's it's a really interesting time for games sort of like rediscovering the allure of like not being taken out of the experience by a game over screen you know you'll you'll always have the the experiences like I'm, I'm playing demon souls you know on the ps5 and that's a very classically uh you died start back over and like yes. try to reach that checkpoint but um even stuff like um i i did a uh, review on um uh oh god uh amnesia rebirth uh uh-huh. from frictional and that you know a horror game where like you would expect to like really die and and get attacked frequently uh said no you know it's actually it's it's much more tense if like we tailor this to uh not take you out of the experience like there's nothing more deflating than a game over screen uh so like let's let's recontextualize uh, what game over or like what a restart means for that yeah yeah i um and you know i I think one of the other like like it's a very gamey thing too that sticks out to me, but uh, you you find countless notes, you know, letters written um by the people who used to inhabit this uh, this island. and you know there there's the usual uh recounting you know like what happened here, but like you say, we want those god characters to uh be characters and not just like giant orange glowing boss monsters. Uh, I, I appreciated that a lot of the notes and a lot of the implications of uh, that storytelling seems to imply that uh, the the people who live here have complicated feelings about the gods as well as like what one or two of the gods are described as like, you know, nurturing, but also vengeful, like, you know, hey, we will love like the god loves you just make sure you treat the god right you know don't (laughs) uh and i and i thought that that was a very interesting it it goes so far beyond the usual um uh just like hey here's a here's a faction of people who worship a god and i also appreciated and this isn't really a spoiler because i think you find this pretty early on is that the god slayer technically like isn't working alone like he he is kind of a, a lone wolf figure but uh people have very mixed feelings about the gods and they're like, you know what? Yeah. I like what the God slayer or whatever they call him at that point uh, is, is saying. And like, I I can get behind his ethos Uh, and that complicates the world. And that makes it be like, okay, this is a place where people lived and not only lived, but also argued and disagreed and schisms in culture. And that's why, you know, maybe some people live over here and some people live over there. I don't know your thoughts.
1: Yeah, you know, um, it goes back to this idea of the more you read into it, the more you'll get out of it. And you know, uh, at the at the outset of the game, the God Slayer says he he presents himself as this kind of typical madman, bad guy who's going to just destroy the world because you know he's evil. (laughs) And and it's like okay, Um, but later on, you're going to find out more about why, and you're going to uh discover even more about the facets of his character and how others viewed him if you read those lore notes that we put in and um you know i think that one of the goals that we had there is you know to to give the god slayer this uh reflection of 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 figures that we see in real life you know these leaders mm-hmm. who um People follow, but are always more complicated, and always have a darker side. And even the ones that are, have a darker side, their um, their followers. There's a reason that they follow them, you know. And and in order to really uh, address any issues that you have with these kind of figures, you have to understand those facets, and you have to um, you have to uh, learn from it. And and so I think that you know the God Slayer uh, is this. He was a really fun character to make because we were able to give him that depth and to really um, let players find out more and uh, and and figure out you know who he really was and what he was really about um, and and you you know you always want it kind of at the the end of the second act you always kind of want to be somewhat on the bad guy side you know like.
0: Hey, mm-hmm. darth vader
1: wasn't that bad you know darth vader was doing something right you know he was they, trying he did darth vader <laughs> wrong yeah <laughs> you know? yeah so you kind of empathize with them a little bit and i think the godslayer you know uh it was uh it was a chance for us to play with those kind of ideas
0: yeah i, I absolutely love that um and i think it, i think it like it, it, it
1: did the right thing by
0: taking me a little bit by surprise of like you know what like Godslayer, like I, I see where he's coming from, and and I see where his followers come from because that is. Have you ever, um, have you ever watched uh, a YouTube channel, uh, Folding Ideas? I have not. No, um, great like video essayist, uh, lots of like film editing and creative direction stuff that you'd probably appreciate. And one of oh, his, cool. yeah. one of his most recent videos was about flat Earth conspiracies, oh, but. Boy. <laughs> But then halfway through, it turns into uh, uh, digesting what QAnon, the, you know, Uh very like politically motivated conspiracy uh, is and like what it means. And long story short, like really hammering home the fact that like people gravitate to this because they want a flat earth. They want something that makes sense and they want things to be a singular path you know, to, to wrap it back around to us is, uh, uh, they're, they're like, yes, the system we have in place definitely failed these people in some ways, right? but these people were also, you know, looking for a singular answer to the problems that, uh, persist across generations. And I, I think that that's absolutely, yeah, definitely check that out. That's one of my, it's a, it's like an hour long. So like, you know, get a, get a cup of tea, but (laughs) Uh, uh well worth your time. Yes, yeah, sounds fascinating. Yeah. I um you know in the time I got left with you, I would love to ask a little bit more about um that uh who what was the name of the philosopher that like founded uh your, Krishna your school? Krishna Murti. Kr- Krishna Mercy.
1: Krishna Murti. Krishna yeah. Murti. Oh, okay. Uh
0: are,
1: were they are, were
0: they long dead by the time you uh joined the school?
1: No, they actually uh Passed away uh, relatively recently, uh, so the, their story was quite recent, um, and it is a fascinating, mm-hmm. a fascinating <laughs> life that that man lived. Um,
0: I so I assume I assume you met him and like maybe. Oh no with no him no, no I I did not um,
1: oh. <laughs> no, uh, but uh, his life was fascinating. He was um, born in India. He was found by a group. Of Americans called the Theosophists, were which were kind of this cult-like group, and they, oh boy, they identified him as a Messiah in that was going to arise. You <laughs> know, and they were like, yeah. "We're going to steal you, and we are going to train you to become uh, the next Messiah." And uh, for his entire, you know, early life, this was what he was told, and he believed this, and then. Uh, he had this dark night of his soul where he realized that it wasn't for him. This is not true. And he broke away. And uh, this is kind of where his uh, famous quote, the truth is a pathless land came from because he gave this speech about how to these followers, you know, about how, um, you know, you have to find your own way. I'm, you can't follow me. And <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not the, uh, the next Messiah. And, um quite a powerful story uh, and and then he founded these schools uh <laughs> like the one that I attended to try to um, teach this concept of um you know uh, finding your own way and and uh, being yourself uh, and uh and so I, I just you know it' was a very interesting uh narrative uh, uh and uh and, and in the town that I grew up in he was kind of this uh, you know, a uh, well known figure because this is where these these followers congregated. But um but yeah, uh that was uh that's the the very high level story of uh Jidu Krishnamurti, uh, uh the philosopher. Yeah. No, that that that's so fascinating that like it's uh
0: you know, on, on a surface level the Pathless has a like fairly conventional story, but like it's rooted in in such a very specific uh, experience you had and that that that, that this person uh, kind of imparted on you um, was did you uh, you you went to India as well um, was that like near the tail end of your time with the school or like early yes. on
1: yeah yes. uh, the school takes the entire senior class <laughs> to uh, India in their uh, in their senior year for a month and um, and the entire senior class was only 12 kids. Is a very small oh, school, geez. Wow, so yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Like I said, I had no idea how weird it was, but um, but I do now. So <laughs> it was kind of an interesting thing.
0: Tell me, tell me about that, because like we we touched on it a little earlier about like you know uh, seeing seeing you know the ancient ruins and and like a different culture, obviously uh but like any anything else about like it's very it's very rare for uh you know young kids to get experiences like that and uh to experience such a especially india i feel like you know it's it's common for like you know oh go to europe or right. go to um uh, uh maybe like japan or something like that
1: but india's uh, seems like a, a particularly unique experience yeah you know it was life changing i mean it was uh it was such a beautiful place, and and the people we had the the fortune to stay at these schools with the kids there and um, get to know them, and uh, you know these people just were so different. And we stayed at uh, four different schools, and there were some in you know um, uh, Chennai and uh, near Bangalore and in the bigger cities, and then there was one that was out in the countryside, and these kids grew up very poor and uh you know without uh much connection to technology and, and all this kind of thing and it just was eye opening to see how these people lived. Um and, you know, I I love the culture there. I love the stories that um uh, we, we saw and the and the uh the sites. It's just a just a beautiful place and a a beautiful people there. And I think that, you know, that kind of experience uh like like oh you talked about earlier you know just one thing that we wanted to do with the pathless was to make it feel like that in a way like you are going to a place that is foreign but also familiar right mm-hmm. like you have very human elements there they're all people they all are, are the same as you but they're also different they all grew up so differently and and so uh you know with the design of the space, with the uh, invented language that we created, with the music that we created—that is both um, huge and also small. It, it, you know, it's got all these
0: by the what uh, the wonderful Austin Wintory returning yes. for
1: like your your third game, I think. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, he's a he's a good uh, friend of the studio at this point, and uh, he made just an amazing score that underlined this idea of um, of Trying to be both foreign but also innately human and familiar, you've got these uh, instruments from all over the world. These folk instruments that are very human. They're they played by a single person. They they have this single voice, right? And they all manifest in the score. But then you also have so many from across the world that you don't usually hear together. Hmm. That all of a sudden it doesn't feel like music from any particular place. Um, and so. No matter who you are as a player, uh, you're going to get this experience of being transported to a distant place that feels uh, that feels at home <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, so
0: that's, that's, that's kind of like what really, really struck me about, uh, Austin's score. And I, I, have previously had a couple of conversations with Austin, wonderful dude, and like just insane how, uh, uh committed he is to his work. Yes. Um, yeah, like I, I, if I, I couldn't name like a single instrument, like I, I definitely recognize motifs, uh, or I can't name like a specific instrument that is used it's obviously like a a very lush mix of acoustics and 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 instruments but uh that plus the the visual design um like it feels consistent it feels like you know okay yeah this is definitely like a singular culture but like I, i i didn't like i wasn't able to mentally say like oh it's a very asian or european or indian or african uh kind of culture and i think that that's that's kind of special and still like lines up with uh I, I i forget if it was on twitter you also said something along the lines of like you chose to you know use a fake language for the game so that no matter where you're playing
1: it's always subtitles uh, exactly. and that yes. feels
0: foreign yet familiar yeah
1: right yeah that was a big element of it and and it's great to hear that that kind of worked out with the music for you um you know, Austin, he's, he knows everybody on earth. He knows all these fantastic performers and musicians. And, um, and they, they, uh, we had these, uh, throat singers from, uh, these yes. two throat singers. They're just amazing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the nickel harpa is just a traditional instrument. That's like a violin, but it's got keys. It's almost like an ancient guitar. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> uh, just yeah. this awesome thing. And then, um, Another one that I really love is the oud, which is kind of this ancient guitar-like instrument from, like, the Renaissance. And uh, you combine all these bizarre uh, instruments that are uncommon, and uh, you come up with something really special, I think. And uh, so, yeah, we were very happy with how it came out. Yeah. I had a, a dear friend of mine, um, Viking
0: Jesus, as he's known, got to do a little bit of guitar work on the Banner Saga. And it wasn't like normal guitar work with Austin. It was um, take a buzz saw and like saw your guitar in half, please. Oh my God. Uh, and, and he used that. The, there's a track. I don't know the name of it, but it's it's definitely in there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, that's great. I will uh, we'll wrap up there. I think that's a, a pretty good point. And uh, Matt, you know, I, the Pathless is such a special game. Um, I want to thank you and the rest of the crew at Giant Squid for taking, you know, so many years to uh, uh, bring that to life. And uh, I really enjoyed my time. And of course, anyone listening to the show, you should absolutely give Pathless a shot. I think if you buy a PS5 code, uh, you also get it on the PS4, if that matters for yes, anybody. That's and um, it's also on iOS. um or apple arcade rather and uh yeah matt if um if people want to follow you and your thoughts where can they find you on social media
1: uh i'm on twitter uh mostly and you can also join our discord if you want to talk more to me about the game um but uh at matt nava on twitter and uh yeah feel free to reach out and uh thanks so much for the uh, kind words about the game i really appreciate it
0: yeah absolutely and um you know i suppose uh you guys are probably pretty focused on uh just making sure that the game ships well and is received well but anything you're excited about for the future
1: yeah you know um right now we're we've worked on this game for almost four years we've poured our hearts and souls into it (laughs) during this quarantine (laughs) and what a what a incredible task to ship a game at this moment in time and um so the immediate future is um, we're polishing up the game with little patches um, to make sure it's as best as it can be. And then the team is going to take a break. We're going to take a month off. Go. And that that is very looked forward to by the team, so we're very happy absolutely (laughs) a
0: a vacation well deserved just don't go to any strange islands yeah (laughs) all right folks and you can find the 1099 podcast on all the usual podcast platforms Spotify iTunes SoundCloud all the rest Uh, make sure to follow us at the 1099 podcast on Twitter you can follow me on Twitter at Joseph Noop that's J-O-S-E-P-H-K-N-O-O-P support our musician Zach Buckley at ZWBuckley.com and uh, let us know what you thought of the show feel free to subscribe any future guests and go play the pathless stay safe folks